Repot It is presented by Rerouted. Rerouted is an online marketplace where you can buy, sell, or donate your used outdoor gear. If you have gear that's collecting dust in your closet or not being used anymore, please consider selling or donating it on rerouted.co. That's R-E-R-O-U-T-E-D dot C-O. Now, on to the Repot It podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Repot It, the Rerouted podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brian Shoning, and I'm here with a great friend of mine from college, Matthew Ong. Matt, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great, Brian. Awesome. We're uh, we're down here in beautiful, sunny San Diego. I was down here for uh, Matt's wedding reception a little while ago, which was a blast. And we decided while I was down here, let's uh, let's record a podcast, Matt has some experience uh, scuba diving. Matt, when did you get into scuba diving? I started diving freshman year in high school, um, right before we took a, a family vacation to the Great Barrier Reef. Okay. When uh, freshman year, that was what, 2009? So you're going on a decade now. Yeah. 10 years, a little bit more. Um, what was that first experience like? I know that there's a, a bunch of training that you have to go through. Um, how long did that process take? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you go through a whole training, you know, regimen with classes and tests and, you know, on hand, hands-on experience with starting in the pool. So you do two pool dives. Um, this is after, you know, maybe six to eight weeks of classes going in once a week. And then, um, they take you out to the ocean once you're ready and uh your first ocean dives like the real like in a deep end type thing um everything else before is like make sure you can swim because you know hey that might be a good idea <laughs> what was it what was it like the first time that you had to put on all of that gear how heavy is it it's it's pretty heavy so like out here in san diego it's it's cold water diving um meaning you'll be in seven millimeters to a centimeter of neoprene um and and when you relax your arms kind of like bulb out (laughs) because there's just so much there Uh, but but i mean once once you hit the thermal climb you're you're talking like 40 50 degree water and how is that different from uh what's kind of the oh yeah difference in the process from between that and warmer water yeah because all that extra neoprene you have all this extra buoyancy and you have to compensate that with weight so man when i dive out here i have like maybe 30 pounds of lead on me on Mm -hmm. top of the all the other gear which might be another 50 pounds thanks so you're you're heading down there with with quite the load um what's it like kind of breathing through the oxygen tank for the first time for me it's not that weird for some people freak out but like it, it you do have to pull on it a little bit. Uh, I guess we're all a little more used to that after COVID, <laughs> bring, bring with the mass and everything. But it's not that hard. It's just that the air is really dry, so sometimes your throat dries out. That's really interesting about kind of all the added buoyancy and weight. What about your first dive? Tell me about your first dive. Yeah, so so the, the first ocean dive we did was out here in La Jolla. Um, and you kick out from the shore. So you, you walk from the parking lot, maybe, you know, a 10th of a mile down on the sand with this 90 pounds on your back and you get into the water. And right when you get in the water, 
it, all the weight just kind of like disappears because now you're floating. And that, that's one of the greatest feelings. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, out in La Jolla, we, we kicked out maybe 30 minutes, which feels like forever when you're doing it. Um, and then we, we, we dropped down to the bottom. We did our, our, our tests that they do. They make you do some, some simple tests to make sure you're, you're not screwed when you're diving yourself. Um, then they make you take your mask off, throw your regulator out of your mouth, you know, 30 feet underwater to make sure you can handle that because that's the life or death stuff that they teach you. Um, but then you come back up and you float on the top for a surface interval before you go to your second dive. And when we were kicking out, I was like, Hey, Chip, Chip is my instructor. He's been instructing San Diego for like 30 years. I go, Hey, Chip, is that a whale back there? He goes, no, there's no whales in San Diego. There's never whales here, but diving, you know, forever, I've never seen a whale. All right, cool. Go down, come up. Everything's fine. Whoosh! 10 feet away, this whale services and like blows smoke, blows steam, right? And he's like, oh my gosh, no way. And we look down and it's San Diego, so it's also not the most clear water. Can't see anything. It's like 10 feet visibility, maybe. And uh, yeah, no, there's a the whale surfaced right there on the first dive, and that was probably the most crazy thing. And I know he'd never seen anything like that before. So that's incredible. And that was your first dive. Yeah, that, that was the first one. And then uh, shortly after that, my parents ruined me and took me to the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> how was that? Was that a uh, how was that different from uh, from diving out in San Diego? Oh, it's. It's night and day. I mean, here it's such a hassle with all the different stuff you have to have because it's so cold. Um, over there, it's really easy. I mean, you're diving in like a rash guard so that you don't get stung by anything. But, you know, that being said, a lot less stuff over here wants to kill you. <laughs> um, but no, Australia is crazy. The, the water... Some, some of the photos we have don't even look like there's water. It's, it's so clear. It's so warm. There's so much life, at least out where we went, we took a, a an educational cruise and it sounds kind of lame, but my dad and I were the two divers on board along with the dive instructor and the crew. So since none of the old folk were going to come dive with us, it was us and the crew and the instructor out in the middle of nowhere, you know, docking to these reefs that they only have GPS coordinates to because there's no name to them. And I mean, those are just absolutely pristine. And you can, you can look off the boat down in 70 feet of water, um, thousands of fish and schools just swimming below. You can see it from all, from the boat. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty nuts to go from San Diego where it's cold. You know, it's, it's still cool. It's very different. The Pacific, you know, water here is very full of life. Um, just very different to see. That's wild. How, so how much have you kept up with diving since then? Cause you talked about how, how you were learning kind of back as a freshman in high school. So that was, you know, 11 years ago. Have you kept up with it at all? Yeah. Unfortunately, recently it's kind of fallen short, especially with COVID and how that affects all the travels um, and diving kind of turned into more of a, a travel destination thing. Um, mostly because when we went and traveled, we'd try to go to warm water places and 
hey, that's a lot nicer to go and dive in. No, but I, I, I dove here recently um, in the last few years. Um, definitely trying to get back into it more, but I do need to buy a pretty expensive piece of equipment. Yeah. <laughs> how, how much does how much does diving equipment cost? You get what you pay for. I mean, some well, of this, some of the stuff you're, you're literally relying you're, on. Yeah, I was gonna say you get what you pay for. Pay for so whatever your life is worth, I guess. Yeah, so that's one way to look at it, and some people don't see it that way. But we went and we got at least for like the regulators, the part that you know control how much air you're getting into your lungs. We didn't skimp out on those ones, and those are you know few hundred to a thousand a piece um for the whole setup i mean there's a few different stages on them um and different gauges attached but yeah i've I've never thought about kind of the costs associated with uh with learning how to scuba dive yeah i mean the class has a cost um and then the gear has an initial cost but really once you have the gear you're paying maybe five bucks for a tank fill you know, if, if you go and buy your own tank and then then you have annual maintenance on a, a few of the things, you know, the regulators, the computers, the tanks. Um, usually the, the, the BC, which is the backpack you that wear that you wear that helps you go up and down. Um, you can usually do the maintenance yourself on that. Uh, Where's the next place that you want to go scuba diving? If somebody told you tomorrow that like you can go scuba diving anywhere, where would it be and why? Oh, anywhere there's there's two places that i'm equally split with so most of my diving has been warm water Uh, outside of a few times up in seattle with my uncle and here in san diego just kind of a sad excuse for cold water but it's not warm water everything else has been tropical warm water hawaii bonaire belize mexico you know it's all warm water the two that I haven't done yet, I want to go shark diving down in South Africa. That's one because I love Shark Week. The sharks are cool. And because, hold on, because you love Shark Week. <laughs> shark Week is awesome. In shark All week. right. So, um, where's the other one? And the other one is I want to go ice diving. Okay. Which is a whole different thing i mean yeah they yeah like warm water pumped into your suit so you don't freeze <laughs> it's a whole different ball game but totally different alien universe you know down there all right we're gonna do something a little bit different this time for our our gear story with you uh we've been reposting these these gear stories recently as standalone episodes and i would like to do a week featuring forerunners and this is going to be the first post in that forerunner week. Okay, Matt, tell Woo! me about, tell me about your forerunner. When did you get it? What year? And, uh, and how, you know, how long have you had it? Where's your favorite place that you've taken it so far? All right. I, it's a 2019 and I got it with about 30,000 miles on it. And I don't know how I got it because I had to get it when I burnt out my Xterra after a, a guy's desert trip that went awry on the way back. Uh, 
being that's a whole di- lost. That's lost a whole different radiator story. fluid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, engine goes kaput. <laughs> um, but that happened that weekend. We were looking for, you know, replacement cars and here's a beautiful white Xterra or a forerunner. And we went and drove up, you know, 30 minutes north, looked at it that night, Sunday night, Monday morning, call them up right when they open, <laughs> go back down, sign them for it Monday afternoon. Uh, but yeah, no, that thing, that thing's great. We've taken it all over the desert down here. Um, favorite trip in it? Yeah, I guess you've had it for what, a year, year yeah, a little a over year. a year? About a year. Yeah, so maybe maybe there haven't been that many that many crazy trips yet. I know that you've got you've got some plans for it. Um, but where's where's your favorite place that you've taken it so far? Um we we took a back entrance into Joshua Tree, which is called uh, what's it called? Purdue Canyon Road. And that was a really cool way in because it's not one that you can really make unless you have a car that's capable. And I mean, we had, I saw a few other cars turn around and there are a few points where, you know, I looked at, at Layla, my wife now, and at the time fiance, and I was like, well, we're, we're either going to get stuck or we're going to make it through this point. <laughs> and um, when we got through, uh, we, we came through the park on the way back. So we paid the toll. Um, the park ranger asked how we got in because we obviously didn't pay on the way in. And we told her that we came through this way. And she was like, no way. And she like did like an up and down. She's like, you made it in this thing. <laughs> All right. Now tell me about the, uh, the pieces that you've got in the front hallway here. What, what upgrades are we, are we doing tomorrow? Well, tomorrow I have my, rsg rock sliders and skid plate that we need to put on because those just arrived which i'm super pumped about are those like is that the move when you get a forerunner that you put they put these pieces on have you you done all the research well i mean I, f- I figured these would be really good first steps because these help protect the car yeah so the rock sliders are really nice for your rocker panels. When you come down on a rock, you know, you're not going to be able to not open your door. You're not going to have to NASCAR it through your window or anything, uh, which would be a sight. <laughs> Trying to NASCAR it into a lifted forerunner. <laughs> yeah, that that would be something. You can just like hood slide it also while you're at it. <laughs> <Just whoop. laughs> uh, yeah, so I figured protect it first and then go do all the performance stuff later yeah um, because I, awesome i like my awesome man i like my engine <laughs> well thank you uh thank you very much for joining us here on repot it uh you're welcome welcome to come back anytime you'll, you'll have to let me know uh let me know when you go somewhere somewhere else fun in the forerunner when you get a chance to go to go somewhere cool oh absolutely thanks for having me brian Awesome. Thanks to everybody for listening. This has been 
repod it check us out online at rerouted.co or check out our app on the apple app store or the google play store just search for rerouted thanks everybody for listening and have an awesome day